I'm Sailor, and it's another episode of Metal, Rock, and Whiskey. All you new listeners out there, we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, argue, and very unprofessionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme, but tonight, that's not tonight. It's not what we're doing. <laughs> hey, Jake, hang on a second here. We have Ed back in the studio, I don't know if you guys have noticed. Ed, you're finally free from captivity. Dude. I thought that was Tom Hanks from to uh, Castaway. <laughs> yeah. But Wilson's Jeez. not with him. Hey, Ed, do you wish to tell the listeners <laughs> why you were held longer than the other boys during the takeover? Well, unlike my uh, my weaker-minded <laughs> counterparts, oh! um, I was able to uh, hold off on, on the demands for a while. <laughs> Yo, they, put, mean, they put me come in a trunk, man. I mean... The stakes were so much higher. I mean, my larceny, for God's sake. You know, the E's, you know, it's, what's an E? Everything is and, in the E. Uh, you know, Four Roses, well, Four Roses picks is pretty close, comes a pretty close second. Uh, but yeah, my larceny, that they weren't taking that without a fight. And I tell you what, I put up a good fight. In fact, I even had my cell phone. I was able to uh, put out the few few messages. Yeah, we kept taking that away from you, and somehow stuck in there. But you know, I, I had no, I had, I had one hidden where you weren't going to find. I know. It. We kept, we kept uh. looking for it. But <laughs> he's a crafty, crafty. So just so you know, he had, the, uh, he had the old, the old prison cell phone. It was yeah. so. <laughs> in, so initially, when we kidnapped all the boys, Jake's wife helped us um, capture Jake and hold him in his daughter's playhouse in the basement. And sure enough, that's where the whiskey lives. So it was perfect for us. <clears throat> and then Matt, he yeah, Matt was a struggle too. I mean, you guys were all a struggle, but. Um, eventually Matt had to be put in the trunk of a car and spirited away because he wouldn't give up his ease. Um, and I think that's when you realize we meant fucking business, but Ed, man, dude, Ed was a tough nut to crack. I tell (laughs) you. Anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, this, this, that, uh, that, uh, that event will haunt me in my dreams for years to come. (laughs) We treated you well. Come on. Uh, Hey, at least you're back. And you're ready to contribute to our show here. And going back to what Jake said, you are correct, Jake. Tonight we are not doing an album battle. Uh, again, we're not doing an album battle, but we are doing a battle nonetheless. Yes, indeed. Uh, you're following along. This will be part two of our best of series. Our uh, last episode, we discussed singers. And tonight, we're going to be talking about... Slap at the bass, mama. Oh yeah, that'll give you a little clue what we're talking about. Um, last time we discussed Love Love the, uh, singers, <laughs> as Jake said, and tonight we are going to talk about bass players. And yeah. then ultimately we are going to come up with our version of what we consider the ultimate heavy band. Yes, but before we get into our list tonight, as always, we start 
with the whiskey and a pairing. And I will be the one doing the pairing tonight. So I'll ask you guys first before I get into my whiskey segment. What is everyone drinking tonight? Who wants to go first? Ed. You want me to go first? Since you're back. Well, I am getting... Very sad to say I'm getting very low on this bottle. I've probably only got about two ounces left here. We know um, he's not drinking sadly, any larceny. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, this is a bottle that that is going away, is going the way of the Elijah Craig 12-year um, and many other bottles. Um, it's the uh, the old Fitz, the affordable Old Fitzgerald bottled in bond. Um you know, I picked this up. It was a $20 bottle, um, 100 proof bourbon. And so currently the offering is you get a fancy schmancy decanter and pay 100 bucks for it. But uh, this is, you know, it's just a screw top bottle. And um, yeah, it's just good stuff. And I think I, t- I t- talked to you guys about it earlier. Just coincidentally, a couple of days before I had drank some of this, I decided to open up um, go back to my bottle of Old Rip Van Winkle 10 year and have myself a little pour of that. And then I started drinking this and I, I noted a lot of similarities between the two. And I was thinking, well, a lot of people call Weller the poor man's pappy. I would call this the, uh, the poor man's, um, Old Rip. Well, the old, yeah, the Old Rip originally came mm-hmm. from Old Fitzgerald. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, but that, but yeah, but gosh, I'm gonna miss it for sometime. Twenty twenty dollar bottle of whiskey is yeah. just yeah. hard to beat. Yeah. Sometime, Ed, you need to uh, you need to do a blind with Larceny, the Old Fitz bottled and bond, and like a Weller antique, and just do oh, a blind be... between those three. Uh, you know, kind of that same kind of price range. They're pretty close in proof. Mm-hmm. What's sure. Larceny? Ninety four. Right in there, um, somewhere in there, ninety yeah, ninety four. Yeah. yeah, I think they're all. So that, I mean, that's three. Proof, yeah. That's three different weeders from three different distilleries, mm-hmm. and see which see which one you pick blind. Mm-hmm. Mm, that would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Absolutely, it's my good one of the night. I'm out. <laughs> hey, thanks, Jake, for being with us tonight. We'll see you Thank next you. time. All right, that, that's what, what I'll contribute. That's what I'll contribute to uh, the whiskey segment <laughs> since I'm still not drinking alcohol Damn this you. time. So what? I'm, We're in November. So I'm the uh, the cleanse well, is it no is drink extended. November now. <laughs> you know, it's just it's kind of one of those things where it's it's getting towards the end of the year, and I've got uh, I've got some some business and health goals kicking in right now that I, I kind of need to, I need to stay in pure focus for. So, um, until I feel like, like I'm where I'm want to be on that path, I gotta, I, I'm, I'm keeping clear, men, full mental clarity. We gotta change your Instagram handle to like sober dot Spartan. You know, I haven't even, <laughs> I, as, as if anybody following me has noticed, I really have been completely inactive on Instagram uh, for a, a couple of months, kind of, you know, because of that. I, I've been, still been following along when I can, but it's, it, this end of the year has been crazy busy, so. Good for you, man. <clears throat> it doesn't sit. feel good for me every day. I would love <laughs> to just sit back with a bottle and knock it out, but it's, uh. I know I'm better for it at the moment. I miss Drunk yeah. Jake. Drunk Jake is my favorite. <laughs> 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 but I'm a bad influence, so don't listen to me. Yeah, we are all bad influences. I'm the worst. All right. Yeah, you are. Matthew. <laughs> I am. 
<clears throat> Sailor, did you tell us what you were drinking? Mm, oh, well. I'm well, I'm not drinking my whiskey segment, <laughs> so I can. Oh. Well, whatever. Yeah. Go. Okay. Um. So I had a little tasting earlier, and um, it's earlier for me here, time zone wise. So I needed to take a break. So when I got home, I uh, finished off. Sadly, I don't, I'm in this like. I don't know why this happened to me. I'm finishing off all my bottles recently. It's really sad. My chef's collaboration from 2017. So before I left Massachusetts, I had enough left in a bottle to fill up one of the little guys. And because um, I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't have room to pack everything up in my car. So I finished that off earlier tonight. And I hadn't had it since, oh man, like late July, I think was the last time I tasted it. Damn. What a phenomenal pour. There's just... Ugh. <clears throat> it's just such a... That one... It, the chef's collaboration in, in particular is one of those whiskeys that I come back to and I think, oh my gosh, I have to relearn this. And I'm wowed by the flavors hmm. again. And I love that. I, lo- I mean, I love my rare breed because I know what to expect from it. It's my soldier. It's my com- it's my comfy blankie. It's my favorite pajamas, you know? <laughs> um, it's going to be consistent every fucking time. But, you know, you, then you need your, you need the spice of life, too. And those are those bottles that surprise me. Um, no matter how many times I have them, to, to get consistent, like, one bottle and to every time you crack it be... Maybe not surprised by it, but wowed by it is is what you really should be looking for in a whiskey. To be completely honest, right. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially a whiskey at that price point, I should say. You know, at a lower price point, what you're looking for in a whiskey is I love this flavor. I love how it tastes. I love how it feels. I know I can expect it to be exactly like this every time. But a higher price point, you had better be wowed every time you pour that sucker. Otherwise, don't spend the money on it. That's what I have to say about that. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. All right. You're up. So first, before I get into my whiskey segment, I am not drinking my whiskey segment tonight. I'm drinking something else. Mm. Um, I had a 200-milliliter bottle of uh, Craganmore 12-year. It's a space-side single malt. Um, it's... You know, it's in the vein of Balvini 12-year. It's in the vein of Macallan 12-year. A lot of dried fruit. Um, But, Sailor, I think you really actually like this one. If you're actually looking for something with subtle smoke that keeps that sort of kind of space-side profile. Yes, as long as Um, it's got that profile and I can taste the whiskey, I'm all about it. But everything about this is super subtle, so there's nothing that really comes to the forefront for me. Um, it has kind of a creamy mouthfeel, uh, but the dried fruit um, and the smoke, is it's very subtle, and it's just such an easy sipper. I really wish this bottle was bigger than 200 ml, because I might drink a lot more than I'm drinking right now. <laughs> but uh, it's so good. Uh, so sipping on Craig & Moore 12-year, I know it's a favorite of our friend Whiskey Donna. She has posted mm-hmm. several times about this one. Uh, but it's a little bit more expensive than its brethren, so you're looking probably between sixty and seventy bucks a bottle for this if you can find it, and uh, it's it's so good. Uh, but that's what I'm drinking, 
and yep. what I paired tonight is completely different. So it is time for tonight's whiskey segment. So tonight we are talking about the bass. We're talking about bass players. Bass, the bass, bass, the bass, 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 the bass. And its importance, you know, this might be argued. <laughs> it might be argued, but uh, depending on the genre you're talking about, its importance in the actual genre may change uh, between the bass and the bass player. Uh, we can all say, we can probably all agree that it is the anchor, it's the roots, it's the foundation that keeps everything around it from crumbling down. The bass line, along with the percussion, of course, is one of the most important parts of the song. In fact, the bass note itself gives harmony to the actual melody. This harmony can also be found in whiskey. So for this week's whiskey segment, I chose Hibiki, Japanese Harmony. Ooh, damn. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, Hibiki Harmony is a well-balanced Japanese blend crafted from malt whiskeys from both Yamazaki and Hakushu and grain whiskey from the Cheetah Distillery. That's not Cheetah like the big cat, but C-H-I-T-A. Like Cheetos? No. Cheetah. Whiskeys are selected from five different cast types, including American White Oak, Sherry casks and Japanese Mizunura oak casks. Uh, this whiskey exudes uh, citrus peel, dried apricots, orange, and some very wonderful honey notes. It is super delicious. I do not own a bottle. I have tasted it several times, uh, and every time uh, I am blown away by it. Uh, the blend is actually exactly the same as Hibiki 12 Years, something I do own currently, mm. but it is younger. It is younger and fresher. The whiskey was actually released by Suntory due in large part to their shortage of older whiskeys. But in moving forward with this release, they found the perfect harmony for those like myself who are absolutely in love with the 12-year but cannot get it over the fact that it has been discontinued. So uh, if you can find it on the shelf, I would definitely recommend picking up Hibiki Harmony, uh, especially if you're a fan of the 12-year. Go and get it. And that's the whiskey segment. Because I want to get into these lists. Very nice. Yes. Very, well very done, nice. Sir. I like it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I still have to try me some Japanese whiskey one of these days. I've never had. So I've tried a lot of them, and I've been to a few tastings now, and I've, when I'm in a place that has a nice selection on the shelf, I'll, I'll pay the very, very, very painful price to have a dram. Um couple well i guess it was a month two months ago i was in spokane and i was trying out a new bar that had a really phenomenal whiskey selection and um there was few people in the bar actually there was like five of us at the bar and um these gentlemen were talking and i can hear them talking about whiskey and i always like think to myself i just listen to them and you know do they need help i don't know you know and these these guys (laughs) definitely needed help and they were questioning, oh, I've never seen Japanese whiskey before. And so I, I, there was hardly any of us there. So I just kind of, you know, we got into a conversation and I ended up convincing them to try it. And they ended up flipping out over the Hibiki 12-year. And um, 
ended up buying a round for there was five four of them or five of them and one of me and then bought me a dram too i was like oh well thank you very much <laughs> and after the bartender's like thank you so much this was such a shit night before you guys came in because the price of those i think it was like 28 dollars a dram or something like sounds that. about right yeah, yeah. it's painful yeah. um was that the first time you had that not me though? it was the first time not they you. had okay. it right. but they yeah. also didn't know anything about japanese whiskey so i told them you know a little bit of the story and that's always compelling and, and makes people want to try it and a little bit more connected to it and interested in it. And um, so she had, she had um, she had a local pick from a distributor nearby, or maybe it was out of Seattle, of a Hibiki. I can't remember. I can't remember the year. Um, fair, I think she said it was fifty dollars a shot for this. And so she, oh. so she shut down the bar and she's wow. like, "Here you go." We're going to split one. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Freaking amazing. <clears throat> Could be 17 year. I cannot remember, honestly. Mm. Unfortunately. Good so, Japanese whiskey, would it be more comparable to a scotch than an Irish whiskey? I'm assuming. Yeah, scotch, scotch. Yeah, always scotch. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's Japanese scotch, it was made basically. It, yeah, it's made in the mold. Okay. It's made in the mold of scotch. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the prominent figures in Japanese whiskey either lived in Scotland or studied in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Distilling and the terrain, the water, everything. Yeah. So, now what do they use to smoke the barley? Peat. They use peat. Yeah. They use peat as well. They use Scottish peat. They use yeah. Scottish they peat. They import they, yes, the they import it. Yeah. They import it. Yes. Yeah. And they actually oh, import okay. that. You know, they import a lot of the you know, most of the barley too. That's why it's so, so a expensive. Lot of the barley. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so no. inspe- expensive because, and then they have to import the bourbon barrels because they do the same barreling technique that Scotch does, and um, and then but they use mizen- they use the Mizanor oak though, right, that's, which is right. yes, yeah, yeah which, which is the gives, big difference, right? Which gives yeah. us its own unique profile, and yeah. and also their production. They didn't expect the interest in <clears throat> Japanese whiskey, so their production mm-hmm. could not handle the demand. And so, unfortunately, oh. that has driven up prices and sadly shut down a few distilleries. Um, okay. So, there's going to be a big gap for a while in being able to um, to get one of these bottles for a couple of years before production um, meets demand again. Mm. Because, you know, yeah. you're, you're forecasting in whiskey. So, aged whiskey. Yep. Got it. All right. Very cool. If you can find anyone, Ed, just pick it up. You know, if you can find anything, just yeah, just grab it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it, I know. know. I've actually, I know, in the past, I've seen a bottle or two sitting on the um, the shelf in our local um, the uh, liquor aisle of our grocery store. Um, I've always, you know, passed by it, going straight to the bourbons, of course. But uh, yeah, I might. Might do that one of these days if it's not too. If you can find an you know, age outrageous. stated uh, Japanese whiskey right now, buy it and sit oh, on shit, it for a minute because the secondary yeah. value. Yeah. But you know what? I would at this point I would say don't even <laughs> just if get it's a anything. No age statement, just, just buy it. it. Yeah. yeah, just buy your it. little yeah. store has it at the the <clears throat> little store in your town. The li- yeah. little that little cute part of town by your house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have Hibiki yeah. in there because that's where okay. I bought your whiskey I when I was there. About. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. All right, so are you guys ready to discuss the topic of the night? Oh, I am so ready. <laughs> Let's do it. I have a feeling we're all Let's really excited. It. All right, so 
before we get into our list, I just want to say a little thing here. Um, I'm one of the things that I love about doing this show is how much I learn from it. Not only do we do intense research before every topic and surprise ourselves with the things that we thought we knew and didn't or that we learned that we didn't know, but I don't know about you guys, it's make, made me oftentimes seen things in a different light. It's I, I've gained a different perspective. I've had to rethink things that I already thought I believed in. And one of those things is the definition of rock. We've already discussed several times heavy metal as a genre. So this came up in our last show uh, that we recorded in this series, which was, uh, you know, the best of for singers. And the, the this podcast is called Metal, Rock, and Whiskey. And really what we mean by that is metal, heavy, hard rock, and whiskey. But we're not going to use all those words. I don't think that any of us intended this show to be rock as an the, the larger genre, which would include things like Elvis Presley, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> right. Thrones. Chuck Berry. Right. And... Correct. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. so I want to read a couple definitions to you and so that we can kind of just hone in, which, you know, in hindsight, we should have done before the first show because we felt that we had to kind of defend ourselves afterwards. Um, so l- l- let's do this. So rock and roll. Rock and roll is a type of popular dance music originating in the 1950s, characterized by a heavy beat and simple melodies. Rock and roll was an amalgam of black rhythm and blues and white country music, usually based on a 12-bar structure and an instrumentation of guitar, bass, and drums. That's rock and roll. Rock Music is a broad genre of popular music that originated as rock and roll in the United States in the early 50s and developed into a range of different styles in the 1960s and later, particularly in the United Kingdom and the United States. It has its roots in 1940s and 50s rock and roll, a style which, again, drew heavily on the African-American genres of blues and rhythm and blues and country music. Hard rock is simply highly amplified rock music with a heavy beat. Heavy metal, a type of highly amplified, harsh-sounding rock music with a strong beat, characteristically using violent or fantastic imagery. And then there is the definition of iconic. Iconic definition is widely recognized and well-established, widely known and acknowledged especially especially for distinctive excellence so i wanted to get those definitions out there put that on the table before we get into our discussion because a lot of us struggled i think last time with how would we not put the beatles for god's sakes in some you know in this list you know in i think in any of the places um and you know, we, we put it as a poll in our Facebook group, and um, I was surprised and not surprised at the responses, and I felt that we were in the position where we had to defend ourselves. So this is the criteria going forward. When we say rock, we mean heavy, hard rock. When we say metal, we mean heavy metal. When we say iconic, it is the definition that I just explained, but it's also our definition of what an iconic person would be that plays or performs this instrument. Now, also, 
The last time we discussed this in our best of vocalists, Ed was still kidnapped. So he was not able (laughs) to (laughs) record with us for the episode. So I fucked up his list, but nonetheless, he didn't get to defend himself. So Ed, I want to just give you a minute (laughs) really quick to defend your choice of singers. Wait, could it be that you got his list ahead of time and you decided to hold them longer because of the list? Yeah, Yeah, right. I don't know what the hell you're (laughs) talking about, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she stole my list from me while she had me so she could read it out. You be quiet, Ed. You're going to get kidnapped again. I finally got it back. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's only fair. Anyways, when I was editing the episode, I was almost wanting to scream at the computer. And, like, tried to defend myself, because you guys are, like, ripped. I felt like I was being on. We kind of poo-pooed your list. We kind of yeah. poo-pooed. Being unjustly ripped. How should I put it? To dismiss. Dismissed. But anyway, um, I'm just, I'll try to make this quick. Um, Freddie Mercury, we all agree on. That's, I mean, I think of all the singers, he's about the only singer I think you could objectively say is the best ever you know so much stuff is subjective but that's i mean who can't say freddie mercury doesn't have perfect vocals anyway um going down the list rob halford i know none of you i think what did one of you have he was on my short list make me be an honorable man he was on my long list i had him on my long list me too me too me too yeah i wouldn't put him on any list (laughs) anyway but he his his vocal style. I love that vocal style. You know, I'm not into the growling and the screaming. I love singers who can sing, and he can sing. And not only that, but I also took into fa- into uh, account how good a big of a showman. Oh, for sure. Are Ed, these singers Ed, Ed, too? If, if you think I'm going to put him on my list, you got another thing coming. <laughs> Stupid. Here we go He's again. Such a dork. <laughs> So anyway, you know, stories of him riding his motorcycle in on the hell yeah, and else, but yeah, no, he, he was a he was a true rock star, <laughs> and that's why I had him on my list. Um, going back, I put Paul McCartney, but at the time we had made the we hadn't really made hard and fast rules about how we define <clears throat> rock. Um, now I think we've established that. But since I did put him on there, um, I do consider the Beatles a rock band in the larger genre, the larger category. But you wouldn't put rock, Lennon in there? Say. You would put Paul? Yeah, no, I still lose well, my even mind because he was if, the softer voice always. <laughs> even if you include the Beatles. Yeah, John was I mean, the Paul punk was, rocker. Paul wasn't a known frontman until Wings. Yeah. yeah, but if you have to. Wait, hold on. But he. But if you have to, if you're if you're gonna throw Lennon's name out there and you talk about his solo stuff, you're gonna consider that rock. No, no. but as but in the exactly. Beatles, no, so but in the Beatles, yeah, it's not just no, the Beatles no, anyway. But Paul in the Beatles, did front he was wings, a fuck, he was a rocker like in the Beatles. Said. It was the Paul, most if rock you're talking he like ever did. if you're talking about Twist and Shout, yeah, I mean, well, that, more than his just voice, Twist and Shout, yeah, more way well, more I mean, than just Twist and Shout. But you but you can but you can you get an idea of it, yeah, yeah. Paul McCartney is also one of the greatest writers. In, in the yeah, we weren't doing too. writers, though. No, but we were talking well, about what we consider. I tried our, to look at yeah, all aspects of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What we what criteria we used for best frontman. 
and we all had different criteria. We agreed okay. on some stuff, and we yeah. had different stuff. For so sure. yeah. Ed is okay. including so, a writer. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay, moving on, David Lee Roth. Now, if you think back to our Van Halen episode, yep. I think we pretty much all kind of universally agreed that David Lee Roth was one of the most charismatic most engaging frontmen in talent but we also agreed that he he was not a better vocalist than sammy hagar now these aren't people these aren't people doing karaoke they have to actually sing too and that's got to be a part of the merit for me as a singer i think you need to sound good too if you're going to be up against someone else he was on my long list no technically he might not have been the best singer but i thought he's he brings great expression Sure, but so does a mime. <laughs> but anyway, and I think, but I really weighed in the frontman aspect of it pretty heavily too. You know what? Um, you know what? I would love, I love to see. Not, I don't. I don't know why this made me think of this, but what if like. You know how when you know how when you go to like a, a conference or a lecture and there's a there's a, somebody interpreting sign language. What if what if concerts? There had to be an interpreter, <laughs> but they had to like dress like the lead singer and oh like do God. all the no, motions there was a while woman. signing. Don't you remember that? What was it, Ozzy? <laughs> what, what do you remember? It, that the video went viral. She was signing the band, and it was a he- I think it was a metal band or at least hard rock. <laughs> but she, it was a woman, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking. And she about, was yeah. doing it in. Like, like it was the music. She wasn't just signing the vocals. She was like into it and like doing. Maybe it was a. I can't remember if it was a woman or man. And like playing air guitar and like doing the whole thing. And people went nuts over this person, this interpreter. I mean, that's the way to do it for sure. I'm just, I'm just picturing somebody in like a white spandex jumpsuit uh, <laughs> signing while doing scissor kicks and screaming jump. All right, but that brings me to the final choice on my list. And this one, I think a lot of people never would have expected him to show up on, on a you list. You mean well, Ariel? Now, Arnell Pineda. I called, I called Arnell um, Ariel on the show. Let yeah, him and let I in- Explain. I tell you what, I included him because he he's I've really been impressed by him. He may not seem like an obvious choice given the criteria of our list, but but I'll explain. It's like how does a homeless street kid from the Philippines become the front man for one of the most iconic bands in rock and roll history? Karaoke. Um I mean, this is the stuff <laughs> of fairy tales. Um I mean, after Journey churning through multiple singers after Steve Perry, um, Arnell was discovered on YouTube by Neil Sean because of his friend who used to video his band, not karaoke. He was in a cover band, and um, he would upload, go to his little internet cafe and spend hours dial up uploading these videos to YouTube. And this friend um, saw something in Arnell. He believed he was destined for, for greater things. And, um, I mean, it just amazes me to imagine a band who are your idols from another country calls you up and says, Hey, we would like to interview to be our new lead singer. And I mean, how the hell do you do that? I mean, he not only met that challenge back in 2007, but has been with the band ever since. And Journey's first album with Pineda, Revolution, sorry, Revelation debuted at number five on the Billboard charts. 
selling more than 196,000 copies its first two weeks and staying in the top 20 for six weeks. And receipts from their 2008 tour made Journey one of the top grossing concert tours of the year, bringing in over 300, I'm sorry, $35 million. And so this is why I have included Arnell in my list. Not only does he have incredible talent, but he has also an incredible story to go along with it. No, it's that's a it's a fantastic it's a great story. story and it's yeah. a it's a great fairy tale, but uh, but our lists were supposed to be based in reality. Oh, this is Sorry, I couldn't. Holy shit. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing yeah. story. It really Yo, is. And if it makes you feel any better, man, we ripped Jake when he said James Hetfield on this list. So we did. We gave him a hard yeah. time. So. Yeah. Let's not reopen that, though. Wait. So, like, yeah, he got to be the singer for his favorite band because he sounds just like fucking Steve Perry and is yeah, imitating that's... Steve Perry. Like, to me, is that amazing? It's an amazing stroke of human interestingness, but yeah. does, I don't know that I just I wouldn't put him it's, on a top uh, of the list because he's not. It's the movie. Doing it's his the own movie Rockstar. It's the movie Rockstar. Yeah, that's like, bullshit like, though. Out in the flesh. Do your yeah. own fucking shit, man. I don't know. This is my list. I can put <laughs> who I want on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, You're getting rekidnapped. You had your opportunity to defend it. We heard you and we appreciate it. Thank you, Ed. Now job, let's move on. Let's move on. Not moved on. Can't speak anymore. Um, to tonight's topic, which are the bassists. How have the bassists become the redheaded stepchild of music? I don't know. Why are they so? Is that what you think? Often, of them? not me, but they're. No, they have. So You're the one yeah. They're the punchline. Absolutely, they're, the punch line. they're considered Always. to be superfluous, unimportant, not necessary, not integral. Well. If you're truly a metal fan, you know there's no goddamn way you can make that wall of motherfucking sound without a freaking bass player, okay? Yes. So, let's give the bass players tonight their due diligence and give them a little bit of love and go through our list of our top five bassists in hard rock, heavy music, heavy metal, whatever we're going to call it. Who wants to begin? Can we all can we can we all agree on can we all agree on one basis that's no, not going to be on any of our lists? That's not going to be. <laughs> Who's that? Well, yeah. me, no, say the name. Yeah. Gene Simmons. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> yes. I I don't even give a flying fuck what that motherfucker plays. He can play a goddamn fucking toothpick for all I fucking care. Fuck him. He doesn't get on any list except a list of douchebags. He could be. He hey. Uh, we should at at the very end of all this when we do our our super group we should we could do our super douche group. Oh yes, oh, yes. Axl the Rose as singer, oh. Gene Simmons as the bassist, Lars as the drummer, guitar player. <coughs> we need a good douchey guitar player. So many options. Oh, so many options. Oh, so many options. <clears throat> well, we'll think about it. Okay. Anyway. All right, I'll go. F- I'll go first. Go ahead, Matt. Well, we'll bring right. it up on the guitar. Let's do it. All right. All right. So. My number one, and this is my number one. This is my top guy. This is the number one guy that I think is the best pl- bass player of all time, and that is one Mr. Cliff Burton. Number one. Uh, did anyone do more for the instrument or make playing the bass as metal or cool or bringing the bass to the forefront of the song as Cliff Burton did in his short time here? The resume and the performances speak for themselves. 
although he was really only on the scene for about three years as far as studio albums go. The mop of red hair, the jean jacket, the bell bottoms. The man may have had, in my opinion, the absolute quickest fingers of any bass player that I've seen, either live or you know on video with you know him. Obviously, uh, his solos are second to none, in my opinion. He is the greatest bass player that ever lived, and I'd say the same thing if I weren't a Metallica fan. Garen fucking Teed, number one. Number two, Lemmy. With a figure as legendary and foreboding as Lemmy, as we have all talked about ad nauseum on the show, with the voice, with the look, it was so easy to <coughs> overlook the fact that the man was an incredibly accomplished bass player. Something that is, I think, like I said, with the legend of Lemmy, and he's a legend, <coughs> gets incredibly just brushed under the rug. And I think Sailor's nodding. I think she completely agrees with me here. Um, a very unique style on that fucking amazing Rickenbacker bass. He really plays the bass almost like a rhythm guitarist would. You watch his technique, you watch his style. Um, not overly prominent bass sound, but a very unique sound. Uh, he himself described his bass style as Blitzkrieg style of playing. And I think that word, if you know what that word means, uh, very appropriate uh, when you actually watch him play. Number three, Les Claypool from Primus. Man, this guy's a goofy fuck. I swear. Um, I don't think there was anyone that really got more people talking about playing style than Les. And sometimes you were either scratching your fucking head watching him play, or you just have your jaw dropped to the floor over his unbelievable prowess and his command of the instrument. Uh, Claypool's playing style on the electric bass mixes uh, tapping, flamenco-like strumming, whammy bar bends, and slapping. The guy can do it all. Number four, Flea. One of the most aggressive bass players ever. He is still going nuts on stage even in his mid to late 50s now. He really started out with extremely slap-heavy style, but he did, to his credit, adopt a much more melodic style for the Chili Peppers through the 90s and 2000s and really helped take that band to new stratospheres. He took on a less is more philosophy with his bass playing while simultaneously not completely stripping his playing of complexity and originality. Psychedelic rock, punk rock, hard rock, funk, many different genres, but he was always really at the forefront and really created an original playing style that has been copied by a lot of different people. And last, um, and man, this last pick, and when I tell you that I really juggled 12 to 15 guys on this last pick... Um, guys that have been doing it for 40 years, for 50 years, for five years. But after watching video after video after video and really narrowing it down, my fifth pick is John Myung from Dream Theater. Huh. Good. Hard not to pick him. Solid pick. Yes. Yeah. Not over-the-top flashy. He doesn't have Lemmy's look or Flea's aggressiveness, Claypool's quirkiness, or Burton's light and quick fingers. But he's damn fucking close. The man is an absolute technician, a surgeon with pinpoint accuracy. He is known for his rigorous practicing. He's known for actually warming down after a fucking concert. Young mainly uses a two or three finger picking style on his playing. He sometimes uses slapping and popping on some songs and also uses tapping and harmonics in his bass playing. Myung's use of harmonics is frequently accompanied by a chorus effect. Myung's uses 
both tapping and finger style to play the 12 string Chapman stick, which is a fucking beast. If you guys haven't seen yeah, the Chapman stick, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are my five. Yeah, Myung gets he gets lost in Dream Theater just because it's like it's it's an all star team. I know, but the thing is, I'm not <laughs> I'm not really a fan. I'm not I'm not a fan of the band or really prog metal in general. I, well, no, but, but I'm saying they're they're also very yeah. technically sound. They're that, very technically sound. Yes, that, you know, in a lot of bands, you'll you'll pick out a a certain instrumentalist because you can just tell that this guy is so well trained and and is excelling above his peers in the band whereas in dream theater i mean it's it's like they're all so brilliantly trained yeah it's it's, just, it's i mean it was it's so ridiculous how good that guy is i mean it, it really is and i've watched video after video after video and Compared to some of the other guys I watched and some le- and I'm telling you, some legendary guys, I had to go with him. I just had to do it. So, who is next? Definitely a solid yeah. list. Thank you. Thank you. Most of it. <laughs> well, hot, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll go next. I guess you know that's <laughs> that's gonna that's a tough act to follow. Holy crap, Matt! That was very very eloquent. Um. <laughs> Now here comes me with my like kindergarten version of that. Uh, Sorry, I was off all weekend, so all I did all I did all weekend was watch bass players play. That's all I did. So, all right, I'll just go ahead and and say this one right away because I have a feeling this is going to be a, a regular Cliff Burton, of course, Metallica, yep. yeah. So I mean, for all the reasons that Matt said, um, and then again. On my list, flee for all the reasons the man said. Seriously? <laughs> yes, flee. Oh, he is so f- his his bass slapping and uh, God, just so good. Yeah, he belongs on a I, long I, list, but how the fuck do you put him above so many other people? He, the you know what? Short he, list. And yeah. I'll I really want to say this list. is my list today, but tomorrow it could be completely different. You know. Because I had a long list, and narrowing it down to five that I could could name out is was tough. But anyway, I'll also throw out Getty Lee. Oh yes, which Matt didn't mention. <clears throat> to me, he's he's one of the the elite. Oh god, um, yeah. the top of the top bass players for sure. Um, number four, this is a it's a toss up between so many different. I mean, so I'll just go ahead and say John Paul Jones. Yes. Um, put him in there. <laughs> um, Led Zeppelin. He's 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 the one of the backbones. Him and you know John Bonham, foreign the backbone of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, just <clears throat> incredible, incredible bassist. Um, historic will be known in history as one of the greats. Um, the last one, my fifth pick. This is my my self indulgent fun pick. Um, it's not really bet based on anything except who some I YouTube enjoy. guy that ended up playing in a band <laughs> from no, the Philippines. Yep, yep, yep. And although I do think he is he is a he is a very uh, should be consi- considered a good bassist in his own right, but I'm picking Michael Anthony from Van Halen. Oh wow, that's my number really? fifth pick. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. He, he like makes said, he makes a lot of lists. I, 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 I have he seen doesn't him get a lot of credit. play live. I have seen his solos. Um, he's a good showman. He can play. Yeah. He can play the hell out of that bass, and he's got a bass that looks like a bottle of Jack Daniels too. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but when you think about the band he's in with the egos that he's in the band with, with David sure. Lee Roth and fucking Eddie Van Halen, Ugh. Alex Van Halen. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy and is completely off the, the radar, who, man. He kind of gets yeah. lost in the shuffle oh, yeah. of that band for sure. But uh, but yeah, no. So that's. That's no, my list. No, great and, pick. And Matt, I also had Les Claypool on my short list, and John Deacon, in, or my long list as well, was one I was I was struggling with. But uh, yeah, there it is. Fantastic right. nice job, eh? All right, Sailor, you want to go? Sure. My list is not in order. Um, I tried to put it in order, and I couldn't do it. So it's my five are just. Either all the same or jumbled. Um, I also have Cliff Burton, of course, on there. Um, and I want to say this about Cliff Burton. You know, he died at 24 years old, so his time on Earth playing music was very short-lived compared to um, people who may have played after him in Metallica and are still playing in Metallica. Um, nonetheless, he was incredibly talented very well educated. Um, he often used the blues and chromatic scale, and chromatic notes are the most overlooked aspects of playing music. It's unlike any other bass scale. He used a fast two-finger tremolo and pedal notes. Um, if you look at the song Orion and Whom the Bell Tolls, is is indicative of his style of playing. Um, so good. He also he also comes on my list because of the contribution he made to the band he was in. He taught these mm-hmm. guys music theory. He elevated them. He taught them how to write better, how to play better. And Metallica is a band that formed an entire genre of music. So for him to not be on a list like this, I think, would be very irresponsible because you're talking about someone who... Um, was a was a creator of an entire genre of music, and that being thrash metal. Um, I think that had he lived and continued to play with the band, I think he would have taken their talent to untold heights. I think what he could have been and what he could have helped. You know, we give Lars a lot of shit on the show. Them two playing together, who they could have been as musicians, I think, would have been very different because of this one person. And sometimes one person really can make that much impact on a group. Um, so for me, um, I put him on this list because uh, of the of the contribution he made to an entire really an entire world of music um and because of his talent at his young age and with all of the other people on my list they got to live out their lives and i still think are as talented and perhaps he's a little more talented them than them and he was so much younger so to me that's very impressive um the second person on my list is lemmy i don't know how you can have a list of bassists in hard rock heavy rock Heavy metal, hard metal, metal, classic rock, whatever the fuck you want to call it, that's heavy rock without including Lemmy. He is probably one of the most iconic bass players in all of hard music because he was not a bass player. 
he was not he he was not taught the bass. He's he didn't play it traditionally ever. He was a rhythm guitarist first and continued to play his instrument as if he was playing a guitar. Um, his tuning had a lot to do with his sound. It was genius at the time when he first started playing. Imagine you don't have the amps and the pedals that you have now. So you're creating that sound. Um, and then for him, how the fuck do I tune this bass? How the fuck do I, what levels do I put all my amps on? What, ha- you know, he'd had to just fucking figure it out. And that combo w- is what gave us that fuzzy, blurry motorhead sound. Um, he strummed and used all treble and super distortion, um, played power fifth chords and stayed in the mid-range frequencies, which made that sound so iconic. So Lemmy created an iconic sound that people have been trying to duplicate and have been playing um, or inspired certain sounds and playing ever since. And if you talk to a lot of bass players or listen to a lot of interviews, and they may say, oh, this bass player inspired me, but this sound that I, I, I fell in love with the sound. I found a pedal that did that. I found a way to, you know, I found a pickup that did that. And imagine this man created that sound without any of those things. Um, not only that, but he's, he's also a bassist as a front man. You know, I mean, who else, who else can we think of off the top of our heads who's an incredible bassist and front man? Sting comes to mind, you know, um, to be able to, to perform to sing and to play bass in a style that's a little extra extra you know extraordinary and far beyond his colleagues i think is highly impressive and again um he defined an entire sound in heavy music so that's why he belongs on my list um next on my list i have geezer geezer butler man again I can't imagine how you can come up with a list and not put Geezer Butler. He also created a very spe- helped to create a very specific sound in hard music. Geezer Butler, bassist of Black Sabbath and Ozzy on and off. Um, he's heavily responsible for that, quote, doom sound with Tony Iommi. Um, his style was very unique, um, minor pentatonic and blues style. And then there's the Diablos in Musica, otherwise known as the most evil freaking interval ever. The tritone. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Let me explain. The tritone is a simple technique that's been used most effectively in heavy metal and is often credited to the Black Sabbath guitarist Tony Iommi, who played it in the song Black Sabbath um, from the band's 1970 self-titled first album. Although Iommi was not trained in music theory, he devised the three-note passage after listening to a piece of classical music, and he and bassist Geezer Butler enjoyed um, Gustav Holst, um, and it was called Mars, the Bringer of War from the Suite The Planets, written in 1914. The composition included a triad, and when Iommi imitated the sound on a guitar, he loved the unsettling feeling it created. So him and Geezer got together, they experimented with a passion, and slowed it down to an absolute crawl. Then he added a trill to the flatted fifth, repeatedly wavering from DB to D, and added vibrato to the other notes to emphasize that tension to the music. Many consider the Black Sabbath song the birth of heavy metal. Again, Geezer Butler as a bass player 
is is a bass player to rule them to rule them all in my opinion he's kind of like the ring from lord of the rings um it really helped to define that doom sound again that's been i mean new metal bands i don't know what you're calling them there's an entire genre of metal now called doom metal and they're all trying to replicate that sound that they came up with um not only that but he's also an amazing showman he's an amazing soloist um, performs incredibly. He's amazing to watch. And um, without him, Black Sabbath would not sound like Black Sabbath. And I don't think you can say that often, um, unfortunately, with most bass players. Um, for them to be able to break through that wall of sound is, is pretty difficult. Um, next on my list is David Ellefson from Megadeth. So... Uh. so <laughs> Dave was so good at being an integral part of the guitar riff, high-mid settings, and in his own words, he says this, The Megadeth guitar tone is built on the sound of Marshall amps, which is very thick in the mid-range. To work with that, I had to develop a sound using active pickups and very modern high-tech amplification, which really put a big wallop on the bottom end. I also added a very clicky, noticeable presence to my treble frequencies, so I almost scooped away the mid-range completely. This is a guy that said, I'm, he, you know, he's writing music with Mustaine, um, actually wrote more than Mustaine many times. Um, I was going to say he deserves extra points for having to deal with Oh, Mustaine. please, for as long as he has? Oh, fuck yeah. Um, I was going to get to that. Um, his recording technique was also very, very oh, interesting. You know, the, uh, there, I was uh, watching a video last week about him recording um, solo to a metronome. And as he wrote and writing songs like that, which I, 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 I don't I don't fathom. I am not uh, I, I've never studied music theory. I can't even fucking read music. Um, I understand the basics, the simplest of things. But to write like that as a bassist is, is I, I don't even get it. Um, he, he's an icon in metal. He's an icon as a bassist. Um, and again, created a completely different and new sound. If you listen, if you go back and you listen to Megadeth, um, and and you're going to, you realize that sound, that heavy, um, dredging sound is not just the guitar. That is the bass as well saying, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm not going to surpass you. You know, I'm, I'm, this isn't, you know, jazz, but I'm going to be right there with you. And together we're going to build that unique sound that Megadeth has. And again, um, another person who was there for the beginning of creating a new genre of metal. So, uh, he absolutely to me deserves a place on this list. Next, I have seeing a. I'm seeing a common pattern in Taylor's list here. Are you? Which is? <laughs> I am. Yes. Which is what? Well, it depends on your number five. Go ahead. All right, number five. Yeah. Steve Harris of Iron Maiden. <laughs> Think about Wrath of Child off of Killers. Okay. He. The Trooper. He and the Trooper. Absolutely. The Trooper. Run to the hills. He is known for his galloping bass lines. Once again, completely brand new sound, brand new style that people have been imitating and trying to recreate since, you know, Iron Maiden began. Um, as a matter of fact, that his style of playing is so different, and he's been using all of these different techniques because he uses two fingers instead of a pick. And he plays crazy flat patterns, so he chalks his fingers before he plays so that he can keep up with the speed. 
he is so I, I feel like if again you know for me I don't know about you guys if I listen to Iron Maiden I'm listening to the vocals mostly um, then I'm definitely listening to the guitar so I went back and I'm really focusing on the bass and I'm like holy balls so amazing so unique so I put all these guys all my five guys I put up against each other and I listened to a few isolated tracks out there on YouTube. I watched some videos of them. I listened to their songs back to back. And I weeded out, because I had 10, I weeded out my 10. And that's how I came up with this five, is by comparing them to each other, which I thought was really kind of the only way I could do it. Um, some of the guys that were on my long list that just didn't make it was Getty Lee, of course. Um, Les Claypool also. Um, Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse and John Deacon from Queen. I mean, another one bites the dust for fuck's sake, you know? Um, (laughs) But I just didn't feel that they deserved to be in the top five. And so this is the list that I went with. Hmm. Very well thought out. Very well. Very well thought out. Indeed. Well, I think that sounds uh, ominous. That sounds really with, ominous, with, Jake. Yeah. With, see, see what I see is I see I see metal. With, I see I see metal, 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 and then you got some hard rock in there. So I feel like you kind of pigeonhole your list to one. I I said I had Queen in my long list. I had Les Claypool in my long list. In your long list, yeah. yes. And yeah. I battle them against each other. I had a rush in my long list. But I'm very happy you and, put Lemmy and in for, there. I really and am. For every, and for every single one of them, she said, you can't have a list without this guy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which means, which means fuck you. You can't have a list of the yeah. top 50 bass players. No, that's exactly. And I mean that. Even if it was 20, I would have no. put all five of them in there. You're right. That's what I'm saying. No, is you're right. Those five, Narrowing I can't imagine the whether thing. it was 10, 20, 50. They would all have to be in that list. Sure. I noticed there was a certain insect that was not there. Goddamn right there wasn't. <laughs> because I don't think there's any way you can put Flea and Steve Harris together, and even Flea himself is going to say, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Same with Dave Ellison, same with Geezer, same with Lemmy, same with Cliff Burton. He himself would does he belong in a, in a long list? Yes, he does, for sure. Was he on your long list? Yes, he was, yes. And okay. so was okay. so was Robert Trujillo. Okay. I mean, he was on my long yeah, list as Robert well. Robert Trujillo was on my list. He, he's yeah, amazing. And so was Lemmy. And, Absolutely amazing. I mean, and uh, the reason why I said what I said about Cliff's age is because there is a lot of debate out there on the internet. Well, actually, Robert plays it better than Cliff played it, and blah, blah, blah. First of all, he plays it differently because they're two different, different musicians, different, two yeah, different styles. Yeah. And that's always something that needs to be understood. Is Very that different, different, yes. Different isn't better, Correct. and better isn't always different. And it's just, and also, that's where Robert has been playing a, for longer than Cliff was Metallica songs. As freaky oh, as yeah. that is, that's something that has to be considered as well. But you know, like we talked about with um, uh, uh, Chris Cornell, his voice was improving with age, and this again was scientific research that was done on recordings. Um, Cliff Burton, it would have been the same thing. Some of these, some of this muscle memory, some of this talent improves the more you do it. And with Cliff Burton, that was absolutely the case. And I, so that's why I said, had he been able to play longer, I think he would have, you know, outplayed Robert for sure. Um, oh yeah, and, and, and so and I don't think there's. It's fair yeah. to do a comparison. 
but I and have with them. Rob, we always, we always think of Rob as the new guy. But <laughs> he's not anymore. He's been in Metallica for 15 years, exactly. man, which is longer than longer, Jason. Yep. It's longer, longer than, than Cliff. Cliff. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So he's the longest sure. tenured Metallica he, bassist. So he's yeah. been able to play, let's just pretend, <laughs> Master of Puppets, you know, 15 times more he than, just, than... He just was you know, never so. on any of the good albums. Right. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> indeed. He's, he's, he's played. Well, no, neither was Jason. He's played those bass lines very well in concert. He just wasn't part of the creation. Hardwired like you do, man. I like hardwired. I do. Different episode. Hey, so before we get into mine, because I already know that that we're gonna maybe go at it a little bit. Why don't we take a quick break? Uh, I, I can see Matt squirming to use the bathroom, and uh, and I think Ed needs uh, to grab a new bottle. Uh, I already peed my so. pants, so it's okay. All right. Well, listen to some awesome... <laughs> Not too late for Sailor, but... <laughs> listen to some of this awesome uh, bass-inspired music, and we'll be right back. And we are back, and uh, well, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> yes, um, it is. Can't wait to hear this. <laughs> so, if you listen to uh, if you listen to the singers episode, um, I used a lot of the same criteria in, in doing the bass, uh, the bassist, and I, I started playing bass when I was a freshman in high school, and uh, and so there was there were a lot of uh, this was in. Uh, 96 <clears throat> and uh so a lot of my list has to do with um with bass players that have been influential to me as a bass player myself um so this is actually in my life i like to look at things very pragmatically and empiric empirically and 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 my list is almost fully allegorical so uh <clears throat> but hey it's my list <laughs> and these obviously these these are great bass players um in 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 the mind in the mind of of myself uh you know somebody who's critical of of a bass player um not maybe necessarily what you're gonna find on the top of uh rolling stones list but Fuck they were on Stone. my list <clears throat> so <laughs> and and these and and similar to sailor these are in no particular order um because these these bass players are all five. They're very different from each other. Um, and so they kind of inspired me in, in different ways. And, uh, the two, the two styles of bass, um, <clears throat> that, that I have always really appreciated. I, I love a, a great classical style bassist, a guy that, that can, um, you know, as was mentioned before, somebody that can, that can team up with the drummer and really, uh, create a platform and create a steady, uh, <clears throat> you know, a steady sound for the band, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and, and that's why John Paul Jones uh, is is one of my favorite bass players uh, from Led Zeppelin. I mean, a a guy that can keep up with John Bonham, and and not just with you know a standard four four sound. I mean, we're talking about a guy that. Uh, 
was a, a, a classical musician in his own right, not just a, a great bass player. He's also a, a, a great organist, p- piano player, etc. Um, <clears throat> just a fantastic bass player. Classical style. Uh, I would also put um, Cliff Burton in that same realm. Somebody who loved a classical style, was brilliantly trained, um, enough spe- I think I think you guys have said enough about how great Cliff Cliff Burton is and he's um he's on my list for that reason. Uh my other favorite style of bass playing and probably my favorite and and what I think will separate um a, a hard rock and a, a metal band I love when a bass player can just get funky as hell. <laughs> And that is something when you've got a bass player and a drummer that can just funk it up and bring that style, that is something that just draws my ear. It's something that I've always just loved. I love funk music in, in, in general. I, I I almost put Bootsy Collins in here just to be a jerk, but I didn't. <clears throat> and uh, Next best thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love Bootsy. Uh, I've seen him a number of times in concert, actually. Uh, um flea I, I think absolutely is is falls into that into that role of of a guy that uh that is has done so well to mesh uh funk with hard rock um he's he's one of the few bass players that he's not the lead singer of his band and yet he could be considered the front man of his band. And he's, he's as well known um, <clears throat> in his iconic band as the lead singer, Anthony Kiedis. He's mm-hmm. and in, in, in bass circles and bass magazines, all the way, all that it's, it's hard not to recognize but for Flea. his talent or for his, <clears throat> for his talent or for absolutely the most well known for the, from the everyday person. You're going to tell me that he's yeah. most well known for his bass playing versus his antics. Wait, what do you mean by absolutely. antics though? What do you mean by antics? Who, 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 I mean, Flea's always been wild and crazy and interesting. Oh, yeah, to watch he's a, and, he's, a, he's aggressive. He's aggressive. When he's an entertainer. I don't mean aggressive. Yeah, yeah. No, I would say enter- he's an I don't mean aggressive. I would say, I don't think he's aggressive at all. Entertainer. Yes. But but he's, he's always he's done wild and crazy sure. things, and you know been in, yep. you had flamboyant. That take away the fact that he's a I didn't say that. I didn't say that. What Jake said was he's, he may even be more well known than the lead singer, which I totally agree with. But what I'm asking you is, do you think that is because for being a great bass player? You think most. I, I mean, I would think the everyday person doesn't know what the fuck a great bass player is. I would say 70% of Red Hot Chili Peppers fans... I know, but this list isn't for the everyday person. I know, this but is, I'm This just is saying. for people that are true fans of, of <laughs> hard okay. rock and no, metal music. I, I get what Sailor's <laughs> saying. She yeah. said most people, when they think of Flea, they picture this wild man... Jumping around in his tidy whitey, crazy hair, yeah, and all and, this yeah. bass and I don't think they're but, like, yeah, ooh, that, those bass fair. lines, ooh, those bass lines. But I think, but he's but I think also, people, people I would say, but it, it depends on your criteria that you're weighing it, though. Too people would say so. the same thing about David Bowie as well. His stage presence. There are people that know of David Bowie just because of his artistic presence on the stage, as much as the fact that he's a brilliant singer, and. So I, I think you could almost 
I mean, you yes. I mean, is he is he very well known for being a, a, an entertainer on stage? Absolutely. But is he also as well known, if not more well known, in circles of peers for being oh, one peers, of the greatest bass players? Absolutely. I think <laughs> so, one of the things that I was trying to do with my list was take away the flamboyant, take away all the other things that can determine that this yeah, person is absolutely and, take and it away. Who, who are they just as a pure musician? That's just 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 for me. I was yeah. curious if I take away things like that, no, like with Flea, everything I said about him, everything about him being an entertainer and a stage performer is in addition to him being one of the best rock metal bass players of all time. So, so you're you're kind of trying to do what we kind of the opposite of what we did with the front man, where you're trying to kind of strip. The out outward layer down and the the showman down and just getting to the technical technical aspect of them as a bass player and not necessarily at the end of the day a band. No, them, but I didn't say that. I talked about too, what so. the, what these people were like performing. I mean, if anybody has ever seen Metallica with Cliff Burton or videos, I mean, all I, all of the guys that I mentioned are phenomenal performers and entertainers. None of them are are flamboyant personalities. But they're, they're they're entertainer, amazing entertainers. I don't think I mm-hmm. chose anybody on my singers list that did flamboyant antics and all these things and craziness either. Even as a singer, I think well, I, Freddie Mercury. Freddie yeah, Mercury. Well, was, I would was, I would say <laughs> if you compare Flea and Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury looks like a grandpa. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, uh, I think so for sure. I sent you a picture of Freddie Mercury singing a song on, on the shoulders <laughs> of Darth <laughs> Vader. Okay, but that's. <laughs> Touche. But that's not the that's like a normal thing. <laughs> Dude, but I mean like No, I get what J- I get what Jake's saying though, really. <laughs> but I'm in no way trying to strip away the no, I, in, nope, the entertaining factor. I was asking the, the question that Jake is, is Yeah, that's It's in addition right. it's Got in it. addition to t- for his his technical ability is is uh is that which would put him in the ranks of of one of the greatest bass players in in rock history. Gotcha. So, but but Sailor, you don't see the you you don't see the technical ability of Flea. You just you can't get past the. No, I didn't say that. He's the, on my fucking list, yeah. Matt. He was on my goddamn He's long on list. The long list. Yeah, I asked yeah. Jake a question because That's of fine. a statement he made. Yeah, That's no. all. It has nothing all right, to do all right, with. All right. He was <laughs> on my long list. But like I said, when I put him up against the five guys I chose, if you were to call Flea right now, we'd call him and be, hey, dude, do you think you're a better bla- bass player than these five guys? He would say, fuck no. No, say, of, of course, course I wouldn't. He said, these guys are my fucking heroes. So all I'm saying is, for me, yeah. that's why he dropped off my short list. That's all. Hey, that's fine. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm just saying, if <laughs> yeah. you call Cliff Burton, and he would say he wouldn't belong on a list with any of the other guys you put on your list either. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jake. All right, go. I don't, go, actually, go, I don't, go, I don't go. know about that. <laughs> go. <clears throat> okay. Um. So these last two, none of you guys mentioned either of these two bass players, uh, and I would guess that you wouldn't have them even on your long list, um, and and yet they are two. Uh, they're they're highly mentioned by their own peers, and 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 uh, 
and they're heavily featured within their own bands. Uh, the one would be uh, Tim Comerford of Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave. Uh, another guy that brings uh, a great blend of funk and and heavy style. Uh, he 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 finger picks. He regular picks. He slaps. He pops. The guy does. He does everything. Um, and you know, again, he's he's right there with a drummer that is bringing the funk too, and and it's just they 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 pair up so beautifully. And and really set the stage for for that band, in my opinion. So, but this show isn't um, called metal, rock, and funk, or metal, funk, and rock. <laughs> That's a lot of funk you're bringing into play. No, right? Because it's because it's a style. It's a style of bass playing, just like jazz bass is uh, a style of bass playing. It, it's just it's a it's a style of uh, it's a foundational style. It doesn't mean that. Uh, you know, a metal bassist can't have a have a funk background, or that sure. you know, Cliff Cliff Burton was a classically trained uh, bass guitarist, and so that that brought the foundation of what style of bass he played. You know, other guys like a Jack Bruce from Cream. You know, he was a jazz bass player, and so that foundation brought that's what brought that style into how he played you know, bass with, within that band. And, you know, a guy like Noel Redding that played with Jimi Hendrix, he was a classically trained guitar player who was recruited to play bass. And so he played it like a soloist. You mentioned Lemmy mm-hmm. was a rhythms guitarist. The reason why I don't have Lemmy on my list, spoiler alert, <laughs> is because because to me, Lemmy, he he was more like a guitar player with... A deeper guitar. He played chords on a bass. That's more of a rhythms guitarist to me. Not that he's not a great bass player, and yeah, he had his own sound, but nobody called this list the rhythm guitar bass player list either. So that could, you know, that no, but that, he wasn't playing of, a rhythm guitar. He was in fact playing. He was playing a rhythm, bass. but he was playing a rhythm style. And you even I, mentioned that when you described oh, him. Sure, but he was still playing a bass nonetheless, and has played a bass. Sure, and, his, and these bass players were playing basses career. too. So yeah, but if you look at, yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. There's there's different styles. There's different sure. ways. You know, to to play bass within within a rock and metal genre, and so my ear, particularly, I think technically speaking, um, funk is one of the more difficult styles to play, and I think that's why when you look at you know if you look at inner circles of bass players and and who they generally vote as the greatest bass players of all time, most of them have a funk style. Les Claypool is another guy that is. You know, if you ask most bass players, they'll they will have Les Claypool on their short list. They'll have a guy like Flea, and and that's because that that style takes a lot of technical training that you know a lot of other bass players just don't don't have. Um, and my my final and 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 this guy, um, he, you know, this is my my Homer pick. He's he's. One of he's he's one of my favorites. He's brilliant. Um, he doesn't really get any credit, and and uh, and I I can't figure out why. I think maybe he's just he's in a band that maybe isn't uh, one of these front 
you know, Black Sabbaths or uh, Metallic or whatever, but uh, Aaron Peanut Wills from 311. Uh, wow. Wow. In our, inarguably one of the most talented bass players in rock and metal history, and he's in one of my favorite bands in 311, and... Uh, if you listen, if if you listen to Three Eleven, if you want to listen to what Please what a what a great bass player sounds like, and and one that's heavily featured within a band, uh, you, you can't deny that uh, that that guy belongs right there. So I, I can deny it. I deny. I deny. That's that's my list. My my honorable mentions. Uh, you know, I mentioned some of them. Uh, Les Claypool. I had Lemmy in my in my long list too. In, in not not because I enjoy his style of bass playing, but because I think that that what he did was different, and it it inspired a a lot of other bass players to play like that. It, similar to how you know better for better or for worse, Flea had antics and was popular. Mm-hmm because of those antics and it brought a lot of guys into playing bass because they wanted to be like flea oh, so absolutely. you're absolutely if, right if yeah. you're inspiring people to get into music that to me is 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 an important characteristic of of somebody that would make my list um and like i said bootsy collins Noel redding with uh jimmy hendrix uh and jack bruce with cream are some of my other favorites yeah jack bruce i had on my long <clears throat> list as well <clears throat> I thought honestly, Ed, I thought you might have had uh, Roger Waters. I, I was kind of expecting somebody to say Roger Waters, but maybe Roger Waters, <clears throat> a guitar player for Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who? What am I thinking then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right here, Roger Waters is an English songwriter, singer, bassist, and composer. Well, Roger Waters played guitar. Get <laughs> played guitar and his solo stuff, and I think he right. Played, but when he was with Pink Floyd, he played bass. Uh, oh, right. never yeah, mind. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think okay. he. Oh, he's wrong. Did he also? <laughs> I was I was thinking David Gilmore. Yeah. Never mind. Did he I also play? Um, play guitar. Apology gu- accepted. Did he also play guitar <laughs> in the new like when they reformed? I think he played rhythm guitar as well on record. Am I wrong on recordings? He's the original bass player of Pink Floyd. Yeah, I but know. I think That's, he also yeah, played. But, I, I, yeah, sorry, Jake. That's okay. I was thinking David Gilmore. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> he was also lead guitarist as well. So he did both. Just so you know. Yes, Sans. I also think of him as guitar player, not a bassist. (laughs) Actually, so that's that's actually actually. Why didn't that come up when we did Pink Floyd? We talked about Roger Waters as a bassist in Pink Floyd. Well, did we? I don't remember talking about him. Because the lineup, you know, originally it was it was was him on bass. It was Sid Barrett and David Gilmour on guitars, and. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, because all Bob his solo Close. stuff he did, he's playing guitar in all his solo stuff, and Nick I think Mason. he was guitarist after Sid left. David Gilmore stepped in and David played Gilmore. guitar I, after I Sid left. I think he left. played rhythm guitar with him. And then, then who was the other? Um, go back to Pink Floyd that episode and listen to because I'm blanking on the guy's name that came in and uh, Bob Kloss and. <clears throat> 
I don't know. Could be them. Anyways. <clears throat> um So we have to pick so we have to pick the bassist. Who's the bassist for our super group? We have we, well, have, we have three have... votes for well, did we all four it's have Burton. Cliff? It's all Cliff. Well, there's yeah, only we one common answer. It's Cliff answer. Burton. Burton was our Cliff Burton made all four. Yeah, it's Cliff one. Burton. Yep. It's Cliff Burton. Yep. It has to be him. So, so far, we have Freddie Mercury and Cliff Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can never, I can never picture you know them what? on stage I could, I could absolutely see Cliff Burton loving to oh, play bassist. Oh, yes. well, Yeah, Freddie but I'm saying, Mercury. like, actually picturing them together on stage is like... <clears throat> Well, it would be hilarious. Styles. Of it would be hilarious. Well, but, yeah, I, yeah. but I think you'd have to try to picture but you're right. yeah. a 30 year old Cliff Burton. Because that's, I mean, if you were to think about, uh, I mean, how old was Freddie Mercury when Queen finally hit it big? Yeah. Uh, late 20s, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Right? And so. I mean, the, we we've seen we've seen Cliff Burton frozen in time at 24 yeah. years old, yeah. and that's that's why it's so yeah. difficult to think of like it's it's like looking at your kid and imagining what they're going to look like grown up. Right. It's yeah. it's so difficult to imagine. Well, I also remember um, in our Metallica discussion speculating on how um, Cliff <clears throat> Burton was wanting to push the band to expand their style. Yes. Yeah, or whatever, possibly. So, and I know Queen was like they were the poster boys for expanding their style. Yeah, you know, trying different <laughs> things. Once, and they were yeah, they thought, were influenced by so many different. They implemented so many different styles in their music. It was just yeah, such a mashup. So we had okay. So we were supposed to guess on our last show who we thought would be chosen for bass player. I thought it was going to be Lemmy. No, I thought Cliff Burton. I thought Cliff Cliff second, but I thought Lemmy first. So I Cliff. I I honestly, I thought it was going to come down between flea and cliff. Flea. Well, flea had three out of four. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would have come down between flea and cliff. Cause to, to me, I mean, those, yeah, I mean, Flea actually came in would have come in second because yeah. he's the only other bass player that had more than two out of the three of out of the four of us. Thank God it's Cliff. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lemmy had two and uh, John Paul Jones two. That was it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got Freddie Mercury and Cliff Burton, <clears throat> and um, uh, I would encourage just anybody. Just to go listen to to the Grassroots album by Three Eleven. Oh, for if you want to, if you want I was listening saying, to Three Eleven all love, night Saturday if, night. Just so you know, if, unfortunately, if you love, if you do love, uh, you know, great. I need the bass. Then go listen to that album because he's he's heavily featured in that album. It sounds great. So just saying, just throw it out there. <laughs> you need the four I just, four one one on Three Eleven, Ed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just it always it always bugs me when uh, when you listen to a band and uh, and and the bass is like not mixed well. You know what I mean? It's like that, like Injustice for All. You can Justice hear everything but the bass. Well, well, when there's so no many ways. other bands, <laughs> or, they well, just yeah, released a remastered. And there's so many other bands that that have great bass players, 
Uh-huh. But you just you just can't hear them unless you like listen super close, and mm-hmm. that always bugs me. Well, you brought that up. I know they just re-released a remastered. Edition. Oh, did they? Do you know? Do you know that? Have they fixed the base? I don't know. I haven't heard yet. It just released like a few days ago. Well, there's been a, t- a bunch of them released on on YouTube because there's like and justice for Jason. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Well, all right. So, do you guys have an idea what your guesses are going to be for guitarist? Which is what we're going. Are we doing guitar? Guitar next, right? <laughs> guitarist yeah. next, yes. I think. Yes, I do. Mm. This should... I know. I already know what my list. This is good. This is. I know I what my guitar list will be. Cle- you know the the vocalist and bassist. I knew immediately which one we would pick. Guitarist, not so much. That's oh, I already one. know. Oh God, that's. <clears throat> so bassist, bassist. Like I said, I've been playing bass. You know, more of my life that I haven't, and so the the bassist was really easy for me to know what my top five were. Guitar is kind of another one where I know what my I know what my top five guitarists are going to be. Um, oh sure, I'm pretty confident with my selections. But uh, again, I have yeah, thre- I have three of five. The, the, the common thread there, the oh, I'm two. a little more uncertain on. Yeah, certain. so it's it's normally when I try to narrow it down to five, it, that's where it starts to get hard. Like I could tell yeah. you easily what my top three would be, and then top it's like who fills the four and five spots. So here's the thing about best guitarist that I think we can do is we can have we can choose two, we can choose a lead and a rhythm guitarist. Oh. Okay. Okay. Wait. When you say, what do you mean? We when we two. when when we reveal As our like, list. So do I okay, pick so we're John having Lennon two or George Harrison. Top five lists. We're having top five lead and top <laughs> no, five rhythm. Is that no, what you're we, it's just the no, top five. No, you pick the top two. Exactly, the top, top two, two that we all uh, that we all chose on our list. Uh, oh, I gotcha. So our so our <clears throat> ultimate band is going to be a five piece. Correct. Then. As it should be. Damn. In my opinion. Sorry, Matt. You're gonna have to redo it. <laughs> it doesn't work in the you just, freaking no, you, layout. Matt, do, do four, do four spots, and then one square in the center, <laughs> like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, exactly. If I could do that, who's <laughs> Alice? Or just have the two, singer, two, yeah, singer have right two guys share the little square. That's all. Just do do it like that. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. So, like a five on a like a five on a die. Right. Agreed. All right. All right. Well, we got through this without killing each other. That was good. <laughs> Close. We've been, we've been very civil about our arguments. I like it. Really? Do you? They, they've been heated. They've been heated with civil. Does anyone <laughs> want to take anyone else to task about one of their picks before we wrap this up? Three eleven, Jake. <laughs> this this was this wasn't about greatest bands of all time. This is about the best bass players, and I think three eleven. Pina, I think Aaron Pina Wills is a great bass player. A better bass player than the guys I mentioned than Geezer Butler. Absolutely. Oh my. Absolutely. Geezer. What? Geezer. Geezer Butler is like Bob Cousy, and Michael Jordan just dunked on. Oh him. Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> Bob Cousy was a great basketball player <sighs> in the nineteen forties. Before guys dunked, athletes got better. That's just people get they get. There's more talent in the game now than there was back in Geezer Butler's day in his Geezer day. Back in Geezer <laughs> Butler, back. 
backing geezer. There's no Butler's back. Nice. He's still an amazing bass player. <laughs> a basketball. I'm sure analogy. when they let him out of the home, I'm sure he does just fine. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. Alrighty then. I think we're done oh, for the night. Holy shit. Yep. Think we're done. He plays a nice slow, a nice slow bass. I'm sorry to the man who helped me define an entire genre of fucking music and a bass sound that is still being fucking duplicated by kids that are not geezers. I didn't say he didn't inspire a generation. I'm just saying, and he created a whole new fucking sound. They they took what he did. The kids are still trying to play. Oh my god. Okay. Oh. All right. They took what he did. I need need another drink. It's 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 evolution. Well, uh, yeah. Way to come original, Jake. Okay. Thank you. Well, well played <laughs> on the reference, Matt. Yeah. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't All mean right. I agree with you. So, I, I, wasn't I just want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners out there. And uh, we appreciate you joining us on this journey. And if you enjoyed listening to this, we ask that you tune next week. But until that time, <laughs> would you anyone like to talk about what they've been listening to? I know I've got something. Go for it. Lead All it right. off, Ed. Okay. If you're a fan of like the horror genre, horror, um, the horror, <laughs> oh. the horror. <laughs> I'm a fan of horrors. I'm a fan of both. Like scary stuff. I really I wish I would have had this pick for the Halloween episode, but since I didn't, I'm going to bring it up now anyway. There is a podcast called Darkest Hour. Oh, now this one it's it's amazing. This is one of the few podcasts that takes full advantage of its medium. Um, this is a podcast you have to listen to with headphones on because the way it's recorded is that I've seen a video on this actually, which is how I discovered this. They have like a mannequin head with microphones in the mannequin's ears and all the actors stand around the mannequin head and do their part. It's like an audio play and they may lean into one of the ears and whisper in the ear or something like that. You know, so it's a very immersive audio experience. Um, and I've been listening to it. Some of it's creepy as hell. And, um, yeah, it's really, really cool. Like I said, it's a podcast. You have to have your headphones on to get the full effect. And I recommend anyone check it out. Um, it, it, it's just, it's just rad. That awesome. sounds That's really cool. weird, awesome. but yeah. cool. All right. Matt? Well, I'm going to plug our show here for five seconds. Um, <laughs> we have a show? <laughs> yeah, our show. So if you are an absolute new listener for some reason that listened to this show, this is your first show, first listening experience ever, I will say this is almost our 50th episode. We're getting very close to 50. Ooh, close. So Nifty 50. go back. If there's a band that you think we haven't tackled yet, go back to the catalog. We've probably tackled them already. We got a five-part Metallica series. We got a two-part Slayer series. We talked about Pink Floyd for two episodes. Um, you know, if you want only guys, we got only guys episodes. If you want only girls, we got only girls episodes. We got everything for everybody. So go back to the catalog. Listen. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff in there. There's a lot of great information about some bands that you know you might love 
If you're a diehard fan, just go back, look at it. Um, we have interesting perspectives on music uh, as individuals, and I think you'll be very entertained by it. So uh, if you haven't listened to our back catalog, you know, if this is your first episode, go back and listen to the old stuff, man. Some really good stuff. And there's a lot of inside jokes you might not understand now. There's a lot of crap, too. There's also a (laughs) A lot lot of garbage. But you know what, man? That's part of it, too. So just go back and listen. And forgive us for our garbage. No. You should definitely listen. It's growing pains. To the Rush Rush episode was one of my favorites. I highly recommend that one, right? You guys, what was... That was was, a fun one, yeah. What was your favorite? Well... Uh Our, I loved I loved the I loved our tool episode. I know I knew you were gonna say that. Our with, tool uh, episode, yeah. yes. Oh, with Scott Strooper. Yes. Yep. I I had awesome. a real blast doing that. That was fantastic. Ali Beasties Beasties was a good episode. Beasties yes, was Beasties was Iron Maiden. I remember Iron Maiden be, being one of the episodes I laughed the most at. <laughs> one of our freaking hilarious, hilarious That is episodes. true. Um, M- MTV, the episodes MTV are was a lot of fun too. Oh, MTV yeah. was, was a good. blast. Yeah. That, was, that was so much fun. And yeah. um, also our episode on um, Queens of the Stone Age was phenomenal so one of my favorites because i got to um finally meet one of my heroes someone who i've been stalking on the internet for a long time so that was a blast (laughs) who did you no favors by the way did what what (laughs) he did you no favors by the way he did me no he roasted the fuck out of me oh my god he wrote and i hadn't even had my coffee yet because it was like 7 a.m my time or something ridiculous it was was weird pounding whiskey at like noon at least it was noon for you i couldn't it was 7 a.m that's true it was like nine in the morning for you i don't get you know me i don't get out of bed before i don't even yeah i don't don't, at nine o'clock in the morning i am not coherent enough to battle with a saucy mouthy scotsman damn you mark (laughs) but i'm bummed i had to miss that one but it was sure entertaining to listen to still one of my favorites yeah all right i got nothing else well since uh, I'm not sure exactly when the date uh, this is going to drop, but within this uh, week that we're recording this, um, Marvel founder Stan Lee had passed away, and so I'll go ahead and plug uh, a, a couple of YouTube channels that I like to, to watch that discuss different uh, Marvel conspiracies and, uh, and and all that kind of stuff. They talk a lot about Marvel and uh, Screen Rant. Um, is a channel that I like uh, that talks a lot about uh, Marvel movies as well as I've, I've talked about the Super Carlin Brothers um, uh, quite a few times. That's a, a, a show that uh, my daughter and I love to watch because they do a lot of... It's basically... It's mostly uh, Marvel and Harry Potter stuff on that, on that channel, but it's a lot of fun. So if you want to dig back and check into sounds some in- Marvel sounds stuff. Sounds very interesting. They're a lot of fun. <clears throat> So that's the shit you're sending me at like three in the morning. Yep. (laughs) 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 All good stuff. All right. All right. So to all of our listeners, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at metal rock whiskey. 
Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is whiskey. Save the E. <laughs> Save the E. Minus the E. <laughs> and they can find me on Instagram as well at Bourbon Geek. Sailor. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the old days. I love it. You can find me all over the internets as a sailor retro, and you can also find me on my new show called Pretty Good for a Girl. Oh yeah, pretty class. Check that one out. Coming to you December 7th. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Or before. Exciting. Well, you can find oh. me on Instagram at bourbon.spartan. Um, this was a ton of fun, guys. Hope everybody out there enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. But my glass is empty, and it's time to go. Tip your waitress. We are out of y'all. Fuck you, Gene Simmons. <laughs> Later, everyone. And 311. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>